Archiver is made possible with a grant from Humanities Kansas. We start the season of Archiver in 1960 on the streets of Russell, Kansas, right there on the plains about halfway between Kansas City and Denver. It was a railroad town, an oil town, but for our purposes, it's Bob Dole's town. You are listening to the Bobolinks, and they, along with gallons of Dole pineapple juice, are part of Dole's first campaign for federal office. He would be a fixture in Kansas and national politics until the day he died 62 years later. The thing that really strikes me about Dole is if you could somehow take the spirit of western Kansas, just kind of collect it up and make a person out of it, you would get Bob Dole. The podcast is Archiver, The Man from Russell, Episode 1, Becoming Bob Dole, Me. I'm your host, Sam Zaff. We devote this season of Archiver to Congressman, Senator, Majority Minority Leader, Vice Presidential, and Presidential nominee Bob Dole. He died a year ago, and we can certainly say we'll never see a Kansas politician with such a profound impact on everything from legislation. But there are also those in Congress. In fact, the administration suggests, the Carter administration, that we dip into the general revenue fund to pay for Social Security benefits. This, in effect, would subject... uh, the Social Security system becoming in the future a welfare program. To late night TV. No, we actually have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. President Clinton is a very articulate, very smart, very nice guy to sit down and visit with. And, uh, you know, I, when he first came, I gave him a check for $250 for his jogging track. Oh, I, I remember reading yeah, about that. I didn't want him running out in the street scaring people and things like that. So we. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, I, I gave him this check drawn on my own bank account, not something many congressmen don't do, but in any event... Uh, <laughs> wow, well, you're loaded up tonight, loaded aren't up you? There. You're ready to go. But let's start at the beginning with someone who studied Dole's life as deeply as anyone. My name is uh, Mark Zwanitzer, and about 35 years ago, I went to work on a book called What It Takes, about six men who ran for the presidency in 1988, and Bob Dole among them. Zwanitzer was by the side of Richard Ben Kramer as he wrote What It Takes, considered by many, including me, to be the best political book ever. So I spent a lot of time out in Russell, Kansas, and uh, talking to uh, Senator Dole's family and friends, and later to the men he served with in the, uh, in the Army. And uh, that's how I know some Bob Dole. So you're exactly who I need to talk to, because that's where I want to start in Russell, Kansas. And I'm wondering if you can tell me the role Russell, Kansas played in creating the politician that Bob Dole became. Well, I can talk more about creating 
the person Bob Dole became, which is, of course, related very much to, to the politician. Um, but let me go, can I start with his parents? Absolutely. Bob Dole's parents, his father was Doran Dole, and Doran grew up in Russell, Kansas, not long after uh, Russell was established. Russell was a, uh, Russell was a little way station on, on a railroad line, and like all uh, railroad towns, it, it had great ambitions. You know, everything was going to be the next Chicago. But like most railroad towns, it ended up being a very small town without a lot of stuff going on and without a lot of cash coming in. It was very tied to agriculture. Um, Doran Dole uh, grew up outside of Russell, and he left high school in, uh, in uh, late in high school to go off and fight in the First World War. And when he came back, Doran invested in a little cafe that failed, and then he invested in a little bit of land, but land in western Kansas wasn't worth much in the Depression, so he sold it, a quarter section, I think it was, at a loss. And he was essentially a working man the rest of his life. He ran an egg and cream station. Then he read, ran something called Norris Grain. And Doran Dole worked um, harvest time. He was working 18 and 20 hour days, days on end, helping the farmers offload their grain. He worked, he said he worked for 40 years and only missed one day of work and always complained that it spoiled his perfect record. But that was who Doran Dole was. He was, you know, a, a man of constancy and constant work. Um, and Doran married Bina Talbot. And Bina, Bob Dole's mother, could work just as hard as Doran. And what separated her was that Bina was a perfectionist. Everything had to be just so. Um, and, uh, and, you know, when Doran would go off to work, he was an overalls guy. But she would send him off to work um, to the grain elevator every day in clean and pressed, a clean and pressed white shirt. His overalls were ironed with precise creases down the legs of those overalls. To make ends meet, the family lived in the basement of their home for a year so they could rent the upstairs. Bina would go on the road to sell Singer sewing machines. And Bob worked from the time he was in grade school, milking cows, passing out handbills downtown, and finally working in Dawson's Drugstore, a place where everybody came and where he was popular with everyone. You know, the thing that really, uh, I think, stuck with me when you talked about his folks is how hard they worked, and that clearly translated to the way Bob Dole did everything from studying in law school to his work in the Senate. He inherited that, didn't he? Part of it was an inheritance and who he was and, you know, where he came from. And part of it was behavioral. And, and part of it has to do with his, you know, with the injuries he suffered during the war. And we can, we can talk about that. The war. If anything rivals Russell as a shaper of Bob Dole, it was World War II. Over the rocky Apennines, the 5th Army moved forward, infantry and artillery pushing the Germans slowly from strong point to strong point. To the toll of enemy dead must be added the prisoners who shamble through the Allied lines, dazed with continual shell fire. This is an American front, part of our advancing line in Europe. Yeah, you want me to tell you the war story? Yeah, tell me the war story. Zwanitzer says in 1945, Dole joined Company I, 85th Regiment of the 10th Mountain Division as a platoon leader. 
The 10th Mountain was fighting its way up the Italian peninsula, and it was slow and bloody. He was a second lieutenant, someone they called a 90-day wonder, because back then, that's how much training many new officers got before leading men into combat. It was April 14, 1945, and Dole's platoon set out to capture Hill 914. The Germans spent months fortifying their positions with pillboxes and mortars. Zwanitzer says Dole and his men were moving up 914 in something called a diamond formation. So the weapons squad was in the back, in the rear, with the machine guns and the mortars, and there were two squads on the flanks. And then there was a bigger squad of a dozen men or so at the point, leading the way with a few scouts ahead of them. Now, in the middle of that diamond is the brains, and that could have been Dole, but Dole left uh, his sergeant, Sergeant Carafa, in the middle, and he actually led them out front. And uh, when the offensive set off that morning, things went, went pretty badly. Um, and Dole's guys were immediately uh, facing terrible machine gun fire and mortars. And, uh, and in the middle of that, uh, Dole dove into a shell hole to take cover, and he noticed that his runner, a guy with him, didn't make it into the hole, so he climbed out to drag the guy back, Sims. It turns out he was already dead. And he's, as Dole got up to scramble back into the shell hole, he, he felt something hit him, like just this hot pain in his upper body. Something lifted him off the ground, and when he landed, he couldn't move. Somebody dragged him off the battlefield and into a depression, but the company was already moving away, so they had to leave him behind. They gave him a little morphine and marked his forehead with an M, and they left a private behind, a guy named McBriar, to see if he could flag down a medic. So McBriar's with him there for hours, and Dole is laying there turning gray, looking like he's going to die, and saying to him, but Briar, you know, how, how bad is it? And McBriar says, oh, it's, you're going to be fine, Lieutenant, while he's thinking to himself, Jesus, they, they, they blew his arm off. His arm wasn't blown off, but he would never fully be able to use it again. After they got him to a field hospital, he was paralyzed for a time. And the next few years were absolute hell for him. He went from 190 pounds to 120. He had been a hell of an athlete before this, uh, you know, a, a record holder in the half mile and a quarter miler and a basketball player. He goes from 190 to 120. A kidney infection almost killed him. A blood clot in his lungs almost killed him. And he, he hung on just sort of out of pure will. Dole spent years in rehabilitation. People in Russell raised money to help pay the bills at a Michigan Veterans Rehabilitation Hospital, where he talked politics with another future senator, Daniel Inouye from Hawaii. And it was that pure will that got him elected to his one term in the Kansas legislature while he was in law school and elected Russell County attorney when he graduated. For the rest of his life, Dole never dwelled on his war wounds, but they profoundly informed his life in Congress and on the campaign trail. But he did write something he titled, How I Overcame My Physical Handicap in 1951. Why he wrote it is a mystery, but it is powerful. The most difficult obstacle faced along Rehabilitation Road was returning to civilian life, he wrote. I possess the feeling of security and pride which accompanies the wearing of the uniform and the abrupt transformation from soldier to civilian life, 
left me with an indescribable helpless feeling. Without the uniform, I was just another physical oddity to those who didn't know. And this change from hero to spectacle made me shy from social contact with anyone except intimate friends and ultimately left an impact of inferiority which is not yet entirely erased. But Emporia State University political scientist Michael Smith says Dole did erase it as he prepared to run for Congress in 1959, and his rehabilitation honed a work ethic famous from Kansas to Capitol Hill. It goes back to uh, his days in the House as well. It goes back to his work ethic at Dawson's Drugs in downtown Russell. It goes back to his first campaign for county attorney. Uh, and I like what you're saying is that uh, hard work is what a lot of Kansans look for when they decide who they're going to vote for. Oh, my goodness, yes. Um, the World War II story, for example, and there are others better qualified to talk about that than me. But, but just the whole idea risking his life to rescue someone else's life, and then this long recovery that took months and months and months and months and months, but he, he just, um, it, it's not, Kansans, generally speaking, are not about magical thinking. They're not about, you know, that uh, he it just, uh, he believed and it was fixed. It's, it's that tough, tough it out. Kansas is a tough it out state. You just, you sacrifice and you work hard and you overcome it because of months or even years of hard work. And for him to then, as a candidate for Congress, own that story in terms of this is who I am and this is how I'm going to present myself to the public. And it's all true. Um, that's, that's Bob Dole. But this was also Bob Dole. Think over the federal control in your life and the lives of your children and your friends. You're almost certain to conclude on the basis of your own experience that the federal government is seeking to be all-powerful and that we, our localities, and our states are becoming mere puppets. Bob Dole runs for Congress and wasted no time attacking Democrats. But where did Dole's conservative politics come from? That's in our next episode of Archiver. The Man from Russell. Archiver is produced by Virgil Dean and Scott Richardson in the studios of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City. Archiver is made possible with a grant from Humanities Kansas and is a production of Do Good Productions, where Gene Johnson is executive producer. My thanks to the staff at the Dole Institute at the University of Kansas. I'm Sam Zeff, and I'll see you on the next Archiver. <laughs>